La Patrulla de Caminos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be talking about the marketing KPIs you should be tracking. Joining us is Kamala Thompson, who is the VP of Marketing at Caliber Mine, which is the leading B2B platform for revenue insights you can trust. So far this week, Campbell and I have talked about marketing KPIs to live by and marketing's war between science and art. And today, we're going to wrap up our conversation by discussing how RevOps can prove their ROI. Okay, here's my conversation with Kamala Thompson, the VP of Marketing Caliber Mind. Kamala, you are at the last stage of the Ironman of the Revenue Generator podcast. Congratulations. Medal is on the way. When Campbell and I were chatting before we started recording today, she let me know that she actually is a RevOps person by background. And my comment back to Kamala was, well, gosh, it's it's about time we're seeing RevOps step into leadership, right? So it used to be DG before that it was brand marketing, before that product marketing. We see these waves of folks. And I think that speaks to something that's really, really, really critical about, especially for B2B marketers and especially for small code B2B marketers. And that is you are only successful, as successful these days as the strength of your RevOps tech stack. So Kamala, start us off by how does one start in RevOps and make their way to being a CMO? Did you have the world's best RevTech stack and therefore were instantly promoted when people realized the beautiful thing you had architected? Sadly, no. Uh, (laughs) I had to find some people willing to take a risk on me as a copywriter. And I had this unique blend of, I was really tech savvy. I'd been managing tech stacks was even a data warehouse administrator, had a pretty rich background there, but I could also write. I'd written three fiction novels prior to that. So I decided to try combining the two and found a really, really deep need for that in the market, which was fabulous at the time because it was 2020 and everybody was cutting their budgets, but they still needed writers. So that was just really lucky timing, really blessed with a fantastic network and worked my way up from there. Okay, so it wasn't a magical journey, Kamala. I understand that piece. But I have to say, part of the reason that RevOps and the fact that your journey started with RevOps is so impressive to me is because quite often the importance of the RevTech stack, I think, is, you know, was secondary for a really long time. And this RevOps movement happened. I work at Lean Data, folks, you know that. But I have to say, we've sort of watched this movement occur, this RevOps movement. And it started really with, at the end of the day, first of all, recognizing that operations was its own discipline. And then you're starting to see these seeds, SOPs, MOPs, CX SOPs grow up. And then at some point, somebody's like, gee, they should all be under the same umbrella. And RevOps was born. And what's so interesting about RevOps in many ways is it is the magic sauce when it comes to all the KPIs we talked about in day one. 
And it is the thing that supports that art versus science combo that we're so often trying to wrestle between from an application structure standpoint. So I think pretty much that wraps up the entire episode, by the way. I think we've concluded at this point that RevOps is the best thing ever, but... <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't need to be here. <laughs> I know, this is just me talking to myself right now today, Kamala, I will tell you. But I, I think it's fairly important to understand why marketing leaders and sales leaders, if you're not focused on this, guys, if you're not focused on your rev tech stack, why it's so important to focus on it. So let's really, let's start there. Do you agree that the rev tech stack is critical? And I guess the secondary question then for you, Kamala, is if you don't understand that it's critical, where would you start? Yes, I love this question. So. Let me give you an example as to why not having this in place is a very bad thing. So I won't name the company. We'll keep everything anonymous. But what was happening was we were selling a six-figure product to a very niche group of people. And the contact us form was storing all the names of the people who filled out the form on the website and not actually going anywhere. If you don't have the people in place who can chase down that data and realize there's a gap, and then know how to fix it, you're burning money in the parking lot. Everything we do right now, particularly in tech, we rely on tech to interact with people. So we've got outreach and sales loft now for the sales team to supplement that email marketing function that's kind of gone down a bit because of all the privacy laws that have been put in place. You've got marketing using some enterprise organizations, and I couldn't believe this stat from Heinz. Please tell me it's wrong. Use up to 91 cloud-based applications. It's incredible how many systems are out there. And the thing that leaders really need to understand is that none of them are really constructed to speak the same language and identify people the same way. So you need somebody very gifted in the data space now to merge all of that information together and make sense of it. It's not something you can do in a spreadsheet. And that's why marketing reports aren't like balance sheets that balance out to the penny. I think there's something really important in there that I want us to draw out. And that is this idea that there's been an explosion in the rev tech stack. And we want to talk about ROI. So let's just spend a moment there if we can. And so quite often what ends up happening, it's a little bit like the, uh, gosh, the, the late 2000s when the iPhone came out and there was this, you know, there's an app for that, right? I feel like the rev tech stack has gotten to that point. It's like, oh, we have, there's an application that can deal with that. And so we have these large sort of teetering rev tech stacks that are just stock full of applications. So before we get to the ROI piece, guys, what we're describing is a little bit scary to be sure. But I feel like that's a piece of a misunderstanding of the value of the RevTech stack, therefore the ROI. So do you agree, Kimberly, that we're at this point now where we're sort of throwing resources at it? And quite often because RevOps is not present and those talented people aren't present, that's why the RevOps function is there, but that's why the RevTech stack is exploding. I think there's a few reasons. I'm going to poke fun at sales and marketing for a second. I can because I'm a marketer. We tend to be really susceptible to marketing. So when we see a new cool tool, those poor RevOps people are getting inundated because we want to buy it. And we want to see our ROI 4X or 400X or whatever we can get out of it. So we tend to make a lot of purchases. And unless somebody is reminding us what all we have out there, it explodes really quickly. We have a lot of redundancies and it's not being used to its fullest. So there's a lot of things our RevOps friends can help us do to maximize visibility into the stuff we're generating. So if we're not passing those leads to sales, again, we have a problem. 
And they can also identify sticking points. So if we invest in their technology as well and give them the ability to analyze things live, it's interesting. I used to make the argument that if I bought this tool, I would save a lot of time and figured out that my executive just really didn't care about that because that time was part of the job. When I started translating that into what I what else I could be doing with the time and what opportunities were missing and what kind of pipeline we could uncover with a very conservative estimate, the conversation changes and you start to get more buy-in in investing in RevOps. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a big piece of how marketers and revenue leaders think about this quite often is exactly that. It is, how can I save time? And even if they're sophisticated enough, and most of us are, to think in terms of how do I improve the bottom line? How do I improve results? We still don't think about the overall health of the RevTech stack. And that's where the RevOps folks come in, right? So this is the whole point. Why invest in a RevOps function? And I would say, you check me on this, but I feel like there are three reasons. The first reason is I don't have a RevTech stack that's performance, and I need people to come in and help me lead the creation of that RevTech stack. The second piece is my rev tech stack is underperforming, whatever that reason is. And the third piece is I have a giant rev tech stack that is disconnected and not doing what it's supposed to do. And so I think in many ways, the ROI of rev ops, the function itself, depends on really which of those scenarios you experience. Which scenario do you find is most often present for you when it comes to those three, right? Is it the stack? Does it exist? It's not performing or it's just exploding? The most... Often thing I see, even with tiny companies, is we have either a few or a lot of systems. They're not interconnected in a way that I can understand what's actually happening. And therefore, my conversations with the CFO when I'm talking about what I need for my budget, how I should be allocating budget, those conversations are really awkward because CFOs, they really think in terms of black and white, true and false you should know what you're talking about. So I think the tool proliferation and inability to get meaningful data out of it is the biggest gap. And a pro tip for those RevOps professionals out there, the key to propelling your career is learning how to create a business case that is appealing to not only your leadership, but the CFO, (laughs) because that's where the money comes from. And how do we do that? Walk us through a business case that's effective for CFOs. So, for example, you spot an inefficiency somewhere and you want to move time away from a project that's viewed as revenue generating to focus on something that's an efficiency play. What you should do as a RevOps person is, one, be tracking how much time everything takes you to do. It's tedious. You need to parse out how you spend your day so that you can actually put some real math behind this. To really sit down and figure out how much inefficiency is there. I used to do time trials on a stopwatch and actually log how long it took salespeople to do certain things because then I could calculate at the very minimum how much money I was saving people by making that thing more efficient in salary hours, the time I was giving them back to prospect, and on average, when they were busy prospecting, how many meetings they were getting out of that, which I could convert to opportunities and so on. So anytime you can tie dollars either saved or 
dollars missed out by not doing it, you're going to have a much stronger argument, but the math has to be believable. So lean conservative. The other thing that RevOps professionals have to do is once they've convinced people to do this project, you need to be taking benchmark stats widely because you're not sure exactly what's going to change. And then comparing after the project is complete for at least six months out. And anytime you see a win, one, put it on your resume because it looks great to say I uncovered 1 million additional pipeline in a month. And two, communicate it to the company. I think both marketers and RevOps don't do the job they should promoting their own activities and doing that internal marketing that really gets the rest of the executive team sold on what you're doing. That's great advice. I have to ask because I've got you on, you're a former RevOps person, marketing leader. You're sitting on top of a RevTech stack. I'm assuming it's a Ferrari. Yes. Yes. I feel so lucky. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the, Kamala <laughs> just lifted out of her chair, acknowledging that. That's fantastic. I got to know, like, what, what are your must-have tools in your RevTech stack right now? Like, what are, the, what are the things that you're like, oh, gosh, I can't function? By the way, you're not allowed to say Salesforce or marketing automation. So other than those two, what are some of the, what are the, some of the things that are in your stack right now that you're like, yeah, I have to have these things? Yeah, I, I wasn't going to go with Salesforce, love it, but still waiting for somebody to come out with something a little newer. I would say, I, I guess I'll give a shout out to a couple different vendors. One is Clearbit Reveal. So we have a web tracker and we tie all that data together. That's really critical. And we discovered using this data that it's not marketing ops that hits our website first. They are the people who are meeting with sales all the time, but the CXO VP level are the ones who are deciding to do the project and they're the ones doing the research on the site first. Once we knew that, totally changed our communication strategy and what we had on that page because we were speaking very technically and precisely to ops people. And, you know, as a leader, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty details. So don't speak to me like I am. So that's one that is a must have. Big fan of Clearbit. Have to tell you, appreciate that shout out. Big partner of Lean Data, but also just a fantastic tool. I agree. I, I think there's a little hesitation on your part here as well, but I, I, you guys have an amazing product that you guys put out there. And I have to say, hear a lot about it being an essential element of the stack. Tell us. Yeah, you know, I love working for a company that I believe in and see a ton of value in the product and experience it firsthand myself. So at Caliber Mind. It's basically a customer data platform, which means we're unifying data across the timeline, we're deduplicating, we're merging, and we recognize that all those systems talk different languages and we get them to merge together. So the analytics I get out of that and the buy-in from the rest of the executive team has been amazing. So I can walk into a board meeting and say, this is the pipeline and bookings that marketing has contributed. And I see nodding from the sales leader that's priceless to me. The last one I'll mention, huge fan of lean data, <laughs> honestly. Oh, go on. I've been a multi-time customer and that's because your routing and other capabilities are just fantastic. Okay, there we go. Everybody clear a bit, caliber mine, lean data, go get them. I've learned a ton. I really appreciate the time. Really appreciate the conversation. And especially with somebody that's got that RevOps background doing marketing leadership. We're going to be looking at your career and expecting a lot from you. You are a star. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kamala Thompson, VP of Marketing at Caliber Minds, for joining us. If you would like to contact or learn more about Kamala, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at Kamala Thompson, or visit her company website at calibermind.com. 
One more link in our show notes I want to talk about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Sorry, no TikTok yet. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.